to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all kinds of information related to wellness, including positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and wellness in general. It's also the place where you can communicate with me and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners of the podcast know, my hope, which I pretty regularly accomplish, is to bring you guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have ways of informing us on how we can be the best versions of ourselves by the matter of our mindset, our lifestyle, and the kinds of things that promote enthusiasm, good health, wellness, and so on. And today we have a really special guest because she is so multifaceted and kind of interesting to see where the discussion will go because there's so many things she can talk about. Uh, Dr. Kimberly Leinert is a behavioral optometrist, but she's also a speaker, author, a broadcaster, mentor, uh, and trainer. Uh, very creative. She has a podcast, incredible life creator, also written visualizing happiness in every area of your life book that's you know really tremendous and combines a lot of the things that she does and so we're so looking forward to it uh Kim welcome to rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser it's such a pleasure to have you here yeah thanks for having me I'm really looking forward to our conversation great well Let's get started with, I think most of us know what an optometrist is. And while I know that, again, we could start almost in any of the things that you do, but let's clarify what, what a behavioral optometrist is and how that differs or adds to what, what a general optometrist does. Okay. So, you know, a regular optometrist, you just get your eyes checked by checking the health of your eyes and see if you need glasses, contacts. Uh, if you have an eye infection, then we help with that. But a behavioral optometrist has had extensive training in brain and vision work. So uh, by that, I mean, we look at the whole person, not just their eyes. So we're looking at everything from nutrition to emotional body, to how you function in the world, uh, to your brain function. And then people would come and see me and they would want rehabilitation or enhancement. Rehabilitation as in someone who maybe had a brain injury. So I would do vision eye exercises with them to rehabilitate that. Or like an athlete who wanted to have faster reaction time. So we'd work with them on that. And we did things like that using balance boards, balance beams, trampolines, having them moving their eyes around coordinating their eye movement with their body movement and a lot of the movement and moving the eyes at the same time creates new brain pathways. And so it makes a person more able. 
That's so fascinating. So I assume that in a visit to your office, you're not necessarily sitting in a chair all the time and unless you no. get uh, your eyes checked. No, no. And, you know, your um, your podcast and your platform is about, you know, aging with enthusiasm. And I find that this is what I found and I've learned from my grandmother who lived to be 95. When she was in her 60s, she played volleyball with the college kids and she was better than some of them. She's very competitive. Uh, into her 90s until she, you know, until she died, she played shuffleboard five times a week and played cards three times a week. And she knew everybody in the neighborhood. So I think the, the really the secret to living a long life, just watching her is breathing and moving. As long as you keep really taking in breath, and I mean like a healthy breath, not holding your breath like so many people do, but just relaxing, breathing into life, and then just keep moving, especially if you're moving in a direction that you want to go towards things that you love, then you're going to stay around very enthusiastically for a long time. Oh, that's good to hear. And I want to get into a lot of the areas in which you work, but I'm wondering from what you're saying as as a behavioral optometrist, those of us who are going through the second half century of life, I know that we were forewarned that when we got into the 40s and so on, most people would need glasses at least some of the time and that, uh, you know, that that there are eye changes that occur uh, from a preventive standpoint. Let's assume that, you know, we're, we seem to be able to to handle the normal tasks and so on. So uh, breathing and moving, I think we can handle that. Uh, although I know some people don't do it enough, but any anything else specifically related to the eyes that uh, we should know preventively? Yeah, just from a physical standpoint, green leafy vegetables. Those green leafy vegetables feed the retina, which is the layer in the back of your eye. A lot of people, as they get older, they get macular degeneration, uh, glaucoma, things that we don't want to have because they cause blindness. So those green leafy vegetables have lutein and some other wonderful things in them that really help feed that retina. And of course, you want to avoid things with processed foods that have chemicals that can damage your retina. So to keep your eyes healthy, that's one of the main things. You know, carrots, oh, I've always got the famous you know, the famous carrots for vision. And those are great for your night vision and they are great for vision too. But your green leafy vegetables are the ones that are going to keep you from getting macular degeneration, things like that. From a more of a um, active standpoint, as far as eyes, so many people are on screens these days. And you might've heard this before, but there's a 15 rule. Every 15 minutes, Look up from your screen, whether it be your phone or your computer or your iPad or whatever it is you're looking at, and look at something at a distance and make it clear for 15 seconds. And breathe when you're doing that. That's when you're, that's your break time. And then go back to whatever you're working on. Some people even put a little timer, you know, so that they do it, especially if they're on a computer all day. Um, and a lot of us, whether we have to be on it or not, we're on it. We're watching movies, we're surfing the internet. So you want to take breaks from that. And it's also just important to get outside. So we have central and peripheral vision. Central 
is what we identify with. Peripheral is what we notice movement with, and it gives us direction where we want to go, how we plan to move. And you want to use those two together. And one of the best ways to do that is to go for a walk. You go out for a walk. You go in nature. If you're with someone else, it's even better because then you have that emotional interaction and talking. But you want to be staring at something straight ahead, making it clear, but noticing as much as you can of the environment because that opens up your peripheral vision. And just doing that, breathing, walking, opening up the peripheral vision while using your central vision will help you feel better even from an emotional standpoint, physical standpoint, physiological. That's really kind of important for so many things to move, eat green vegetables, things of that nature. You hear it in so many other areas so that it there there seems to be a message there that if people do things the right way, that maybe they're going to live longer, see better, uh, be more socially connected and so on. So um, again, you're so multifaceted. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about eyes. So let's talk about you for a minute. Uh, how did you happen to branch off in so many directions? And uh, maybe you can tell us some of those directions that you do on, on, on a more regular basis uh, to mm -hmm. kind of get a sense of, of knowing you. Okay. Um, well, I did start out in optometry school and I went into what's called behavioral optometry because I had an experience where I helped a little boy who was in school and he was very shy and we worked with him in vision therapy and all of a sudden he was coming in happy and up and I'm like, what happened? What'd we do? You know, because I was new. I, I was just going through the motions of what I was taught. I said, what happened? He said, well, when I used to have to read, everybody laughed at me. I said, well, why did everybody laugh at you when you read? He said, yeah, it made me feel really stupid. And um, he said, well, why did they laugh at you? And he said, because I couldn't read. And he said, but now I can read and nobody laughs at me. So I started out thinking, oh, if I could help that child, I could help more people. So that's where I went into behavioral optometry because I just wanted to have an impact and be able to help people have that good feeling like they have the confidence that they can do anything. So that's where I started out. So everything I do really branches from how can I make a bigger impact and how can I make people or help people really reach the potential they want to reach in life. You know, the ultimate is happiness, peace. We all want the same things, freedom. We all want those same right. things. But if there's something blocking it or, we, or if we don't know, know which direction to go in, then it makes it hard. And so after I'd been doing vision therapy uh, 20 years or so, I said, you know, I want to impact more people instead of just doing one-on-one -on -one with people in a therapy room. And so I thought to myself, well, how can I do that? Well, I, I learned that if you wrote a book and became a speaker, you could impact a lot more people. I'm like, I don't want to die with all my knowledge and experience in me. I want to share it with as many people as I can. And so I wrote a book. I became a speaker. And then I just had my three-year anniversary for the podcast. So then I started the podcast. And the idea is to reach people. And I, I branched into just creating an incredible life. Because I think, first of all, you have to find out what it is that you like, what love you love, what lights you up. Because we all have a gift that we're supposed to give to the world. 
And when we're doing the gift that's specific to us, we're going to get satisfaction. We're going to get happiness from it because we're doing what we're made to do. But sometimes people can't find that. They don't know what it is. Maybe it's because they haven't been exposed to it. And so on my podcast, I have as many different kinds of guests as possible because I want people to be exposed to different things to spark an idea like, oh, maybe I'll go try that, you know? So that's why I have so many guests. And the book was the same, Visualizing Happiness. It's a step-by-step guide to creating an incredible life. It starts out by saying, who am I? What do I like? What's important to me? What are my values? What things give me joy? Which things don't I like? And then you put the things into your life that make you happy and you get rid of, delegate, whatever you can, the things you don't like. Like I hate doing administrative work and paperwork. So I hire people to do that. You know, (laughs) Um, I'm not much of a cook. So I actually... Uh, pay my my uh, youngest daughter. She cooks for me. She'll cook for me and I have all my meals for the week. It's worth any amount of money because I don't want to spend the time cooking. I have other things I like doing. So I put more of those in my schedule. So I look, teach people to put those in the schedule. So the but the basis of branching out and branching out is how can I help more people? How can I expand people's not only awareness and ability to find out what direction they want to go in, but how can I help them then master it? So the things I did in behavioral optometry, where we are expanding your brain, expanding your abilities, just because you know what it is you want to do, we still have to practice. We still have to master our craft, regardless of what it is, because only then are we going to feel really fulfilled. Like we're, we're the master, we're the expert, it's what we do. So, it will become that. So if I'm understanding correctly, if we're kind of in line with our values and and the things that we want, that's what leads to an in- incredible life. The people are going to feel good about themselves. And, uh, and that I guess conversely, if you're not doing what you were meant to be doing, or if you're doing things that you really don't like on a regular basis, It's not very incredible. It's not really incredible. And, you know, we have to take into the take into consideration the fact that, you know, when I'm talking about creating happiness, I mean, happiness is kind of a buzzword, but I'm really talking about contentment because we all have things that happen in our lives. We have things that happen in our families. We have illnesses. We have things that happen on our job or disappointments. Mm -hmm. So I know life is like a sine wave. We're going to get a little of each. But if if we can keep the lows not so low and the highs not so high, but just kind of keep right here Mm -hmm. and overall feel content and have that peaceful, that inner peace, that's what I'm talking about because life is life, right? Yeah. Well, it sounds amazing just listening to you. So how has that changed your practice? In other words, what what do you do now? Do you you see patients? Do you see other kinds of people? Do you see patients, but treat them in a different way? I I know, obviously, you do the podcast, you've written, do speaking, but in terms of uh, working with people, what has has that practice changed? Um, Yes. So I still work as a regular optometrist sometimes, uh, 
some days. And then um, I'm just working with people one-on-one who want to work with me as far as the other, like the optic brain fit and just mentoring, just mentoring in general. I mentioned optic brain fit. You just did, but uh, what, what is it? (laughs) So optic brain fit is more of an expansion of behavioral optometry. So with behavioral optometry, we're working a lot with the eyes and a little bit of the brain. But I found after, you know, 30 years of practice that I was doing more and more brain work. And and then I found that the more I added movement to what I was doing, so instead of having someone just sitting there doing a computer program for their eyes, if I get them up on a balance board or balance beam, or trampoline, and trampoline is very amazing because I can do work with musicians, with athletes, anything with timing, really amazing. So that's why I expanded into that, because if you just moved every day along with something that's directed by your brain, even in something like dancing, martial arts, anything where you're learning something new, where you happen to make your body obey what your brain is telling it to do, you create new brain pathways. And so people think, well, what's the secret of keeping your brain young? Well, you want to you wanna create um, the brain pathways. The other thing is the body doesn't forget. Sometimes as people go into Alzheimer's and, and, and the sad things none of us want to have, body doesn't forget. And that's what I like about music. You know how music, if you learned how to play a guitar, even some with Alzheimer's, if you give them a guitar, they could probably still play it. They might not remember where they're at or who they are, but you give them the guitar, they could play it. Yeah. Or, you know, they, they, you give them songs that maybe, you know, old gospel songs that they heard when they were a kid in church and you turn that on and all of a sudden they come to life because the body doesn't forget. Sometimes our mind fails us, but our body, if you train the body to integrate with the mind, it doesn't forget. That's interesting because that may help to explain. I don't know if you uh, saw it, uh, I guess about a year ago or something on TV, they had the Tony Bennett's last concert with Lady Gaga. and Mm -hmm. uh, He clearly has, you know, at least the early stages of Alzheimer's, they could pick it up in some ways. But once the music starts, he was he was there. You know, that's right. He's totally yeah. there, and I bet you didn't miss a note. Yeah, that that really is is interesting. So, which I guess leads me both as an older person and as somebody who's interested in the brain. Are there things that you know? Let's say. Uh, you haven't got a history in, in music or so on, but when you get into the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, are there specific things that you recommend or is it just, not just, but is it pretty much the same principles, breathe and move and watch what you're eating? Or are there, there are some things that we can do uh, later on to slow down things, the, the aging process, if not do reversing or I, I know that the we now know that the brain can still develop new pathways you know throughout life which we didn't always know but uh any specific advice for for us older folks 
Yeah. And when you were talking about that, I guess I started to think about mobility because a lot of times people's mobility reduces and, you know, some people have enough mobility to actually go to an exercise class where, you know, they do like the chair exercise, which I was at one of those recently because I went to visit my parents. And so I went to the exercise class with them. <laughs> I was the youngest one there, I'm sure. And, you know, this woman did a wonderful workout, but it was sitting on a chair and it was great. And this can, this is going to sound so silly, but it, it it still works. Let's say, I'm just going to be totally ridiculous. Let's say the only thing you can move is your hand and your fingers. That's the only thing you can move. So tell your finger, I want you to point up. I want you to point down. I want you to point this way. Even moving your finger. And then if you're watching it, it adds another layer. Mm. If you add breathing to it, certain rhythm. So yeah. there's different things. And, and that was being really ridiculous to the minute, but anything you're doing that you're learning where you're doing those patterns and learning something new with whatever movement you can do, that, that's important. Yeah, that's, again, it's uh, so interesting. And again, the, the fact that we have some ability to control how we're going through life is really, really important. And I know you function at kind of the same positive end of the spectrum as I do. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a question that people will often ask me, which is, you know, again, you're focused on this incredible life. It's not, you know, let's get back to neutral or let's uh, get get you less depressed or whatever and get you to this point and then it's goodbye um, mm -hmm. focusing on this incredible life what what keeps you so optimistic and enthusiastic in a world that has a certain you know a fair amount of negativity connected with it i think first of all it's a decision you decide to be happy you decide that you're going to have a good day so when you wake up in the morning, I mean, one, sometimes one of the first things I say is thanks for helping, thanks that I woke up, mm -hmm. you know, which, you know, my faith is also a very important part of that too. So I think you have to have, well, in my case, I can only speak for me, but you have to have the faith that, that um, there's a power there. There's, there's, there's a reason to get up. There's a reason for living. We're here for a reason. And so having my faith is important, I, you know, doing my prayers, doing meditation, asking myself, okay, what is it that I want to accomplish today? And, you know, on the way to work, thinking to myself and praying and saying, Lord, I want to be a light today. Help me to encourage somebody. So having not just a self-centered perspective of taking care of yourself, but in other perspective, because you've, you've probably heard this before, when you're helping someone else, you forget your own problems. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just really important to have a mission, even if it's a little one. Okay. If you're, let's say you're in a lot of pain and you're sick and you don't feel good. Well, my mission is to feel just a little bit better. What could I do or how could I change my mind to feel just a little bit better? Just as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that, that's 
so true in so many things. If you're going to make a behavior change, a thinking change to accept, you don't necessarily have to go from everything to nothing or nothing to everything, that you make steps in the right direction, whether it's in terms of uh, beginning to, to do movement and exercise or want to eat healthier or things of that nature may not happen overnight and probably shouldn't try to, but what can, but that's a great perspective. What can I do so that uh, by the end of the day, you know that you've done something to make yourself a little bit better. Yeah. And there's one other thing I was thinking of is that sometimes we sabotage ourselves. We don't realize we are, but there's something that in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, which is another form of something I studied, um, called secondary gain. And what that means is you say, I want to feel better. But, you know, as long as I'm staying sick emotionally or physically, other people are going to pay attention to me and other people are going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. So do I really want to get better or do I want to be this person that people take care of. And it's a secondary gain. So if you're having trouble taking that step to be positive, or you're if there's anything you're trying to get better at, but you keep running into a wall, ask yourself, is there something about this that I like? Is there something I'm getting from this that is stopping me from moving up to the next level or to the direction I say that I want to go? That's really really interesting and uh which leads me to to a question of uh we're we don't know what's going to happen in the fall but we're we're almost two and a half years i guess we are two and a half years into covid and uh you know some people learn some bad habits during that time and some some of it got reinforced by the fact that uh you know, there was encouragement to stay home uh, early on. We didn't know whether going outside was good for you or bad for you and all that. Uh, have you found that that uh, people are adapting back to the real world or are there have there been problems that you've observed uh, physically or so on by the way that, that people led their lives the last two and a half years? I think it all comes down to fear. Fear or love. So if you're so afraid that you can't even move, all of a sudden, even your body feels frozen. Mm -hmm. Your heart feels frozen. You feel like you can't move, like you're, you're stuck because everything causes, you worry that everything you see is going to cause you pain or um, difficulty. So if you could just um, turn that around and say, okay, with perfect love, there is no fear. So where can I step forward and take a negative into a positive? Okay, so maybe I'm not going to go to the grocery store myself because I'm a little worried about what's out there. Well, let's let someone um, deliver the groceries to me. All of a sudden, you thought something that was a bad thing is a good thing. Now you have another 30 minutes to an hour to do something you like doing. 
Like I like doing jigsaw puzzles. Oh, I could relax and do a jigsaw puzzle while someone else is out shopping for me. So if you take the things that seem like they're uncomfortable or bad and think, how can I make this a positive? How can I take advantage of this in a positive way? I think that's going to be helpful for people. Because, but if you're sitting there in fear, it's it's a terrible place to be. It's a terrible place. Yeah, it, it, uh, hopefully there aren't enough secondary gains to keep a person in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to want to let you tell people how they find you and, and your book and so on. But before we do that, again, I, I always have this fear, since we're talking about fear, when I'm talking to, to somebody who has so much to offer that maybe I didn't ask about something that's really important that uh, that you could share with us. And I'm, so I'm going to take this opportunity and say, is there anything I should have asked you but didn't or anything else that we absolutely should know about you during the podcast? I think the main thing I would just like to say to listeners is that you're loved, you're important, you're needed, you're wanted, there's something special about you and that's why you're here. So find that thing that lights you up, find that thing that helps you to love yourself, helps you to love others and to just enjoy your life. Sounds like about as good advice as anybody can get. Uh, really appreciate your sharing so much of your thinking, of your background, of the uh, of some true guidance of some of the things we can do to stay healthier and stay more positive. I'm sure that people will want to learn more about you and what you've got to offer. So can you let us know where, where we find you, uh, where we find your book, where we can hear your podcast and so on. And we will have it in the show notes too, but I'd like to hear it from you. It's very simple. My website is drkimberlylinner.com and Kimberly is spelled K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y and then L-I-N-E-R-T. So drlinner.com. I'm also pretty active on social media, mostly on Facebook and LinkedIn. So you can connect with me there by messaging. And my book's on Amazon, just like everybody's. <laughs> and here's what it looks like. It's sunshiny yellow. The name of it is Visualizing Happiness. Yep, in every area of your life. Okay, terrific. And uh, before we quit, I do have to say, I, I every time I have a guest, I try and make sure that there are two things that I do. One is to clarify the pronunciation of her name and also to make sure that I... Uh, click the record button. I clicked the record button, but I was so sure it was Liner that I think I pronounced your name wrong when I introduced you. So I assume you're more of an expert on how you pronounce it than I do. So it's Kimberly Leonard. And mm -hmm. we look forward to reaching out to you to finding out all the, the things that you have to offer. I appreciate you're being on the podcast and I appreciate all the good that you're doing for so many people, including the listeners of the podcast. So thanks very much, Kim. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And 
I, I was looking over all your episodes. You have so many different ways to actually feel good, live life with enthusiasm. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Well, and certainly your episode will be right up there with with the really important ones that, that can help us gain things. And so that brings to a close another episode of Rejuvenaging with Dr. Ron Kaiser with our special guest, Dr. Kimberly Leonard, multifaceted uh, behavioral optometrist and lots of other things, including author, speaker, podcaster, and things too numerous to, to uh, mention, but all related to, to changing the world for the better. And we really appreciate all you're doing, Kim. Uh, so I hope that all of you gained as much from the podcast as I did. And I hope you'll tell your friends about it, download it, rate it, review it, and be back next week when we will have another really interesting guest who will help us to lead our lives enthusiastically and move forward to become the best versions of ourselves. In the meantime, uh, please visit the website, the Mental Health Gym, and tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, on that note, and keeping in mind that we still have COVID around, be sure to stay safe as well as staying positive, and be sure to be back here next week. Take care, everybody. Talk again soon.